Welcome to Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Paff and Reggie Rizzo coming at you on today's episode. Ancient lake sediment on Mars may reveal whether life once existed there. Staying with the Red Planet, one airborne exploratory vehicle has been forced into retirement. California takes a solar leap forward. Plus, this week in history, seeing eye dogs become a reality. Coming up, it's Cool Stuff Ride Home. Well, great news on the renewable energy front. The single largest solar energy and storage project in the United States was activated last week in California. A massive installment spanning 4,600 acres comprised of 1.9 million U.S.-made first solar panels. Now, per a report in PV Magazine, the benefits to the new sun-fueled energy center are twofold. One, California's grid is expected to receive enough electricity to power the equivalent of approximately 238,000 homes. And two, because of that, an estimated 320,000 tons of carbon dioxide emissions will be abated annually. Now, as you may recall from a story we did several weeks back, California was already leading all U.S. states when it comes to embracing solar power installations. They could accommodate more than double the storage of Texas, who comes in second. And if you're curious as to what things look like globally, the U.S. comes in second to China when it comes to solar installations, and that's not a close competition at the moment. China can accommodate more than three times the solar capacity of the U.S., though it's worth noting they also have more than four times the population. Just last year, China completed a new installation that's reportedly capable of powering 1.5 million homes. After that, it's Japan, Germany, and India rounding out the top five, at least as of 2023. But back to the project in California, it's partially located on Edwards Air Force Base in Kern County, which is a hub for many of the largest solar projects in the U.S. It also represents the largest public-private collaboration in U.S. Department of Defense history, with a half dozen companies stepping in to assist, including LG, Samsung, Tiragen, and Mortensen, among others. The active projects supplies power to the cities of San Jose, Southern California Edison, Pacific Gas and Electric, the Clean Power Alliance, and, go figure, the Starbucks Corporation, among others. Starbucks in and of itself sometimes feels like a small city. So, Reg, uh, I, I said this before to you during conversations we've had off of this podcast. I'm always a little bit surprised to learn that Nevada, the state in which I reside, is not a little bit higher on the list of states when it comes to utilization of solar power simply because there's so much land here, so much government land that's not being utilized, and so much sun. But on the other hand, it is great to see California really embrace this energy source. I still think in your land in Nevada, I don't get why they don't have where you have the parking garages or in front of your apartments or... Covered parking spaces, not even a garage, I think is what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, right? those covered parking spaces. Why don't we add solar panels to that? Hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot of open land there with all of those covered parking spaces. And I'm sure if you gave landlords some type of tax credit for that, they would be all over it. And think of all the energy you could create keeping the cars cool and then creating energy on top of it. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating idea. And as we move as a society more and more towards electric vehicles, maybe a way to charge up while you're parked in one of those slots as well. That said, as I always like to note on this podcast, Reggie and I are not experts in a lot of things. <laughs> so <laughs> or if anything. there's anything, right, that's probably <laughs> fair too. So I'm sure there are hurdles that come into play with a lot of these these subjects that we discuss. If you have more information, we'd, we're all ears. We'd love to hear it because we love to, to hear from people who do know these things uh, on a more professional level. Cool stuff commute at gmail.com. Drop us a note.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Some sad news coming out of Mars as NASA announced last week that Ingenuity, the Mars helicopter, will no longer fly due to damage on its rotor blades. The four-pound helicopter was originally intended as a short-term tech demo, and it logged 72 flights over its three years at Mars, flying as high as 79 feet and traveling up to 22.4 miles per hour. In total, it had two hours of flight time and traveled 11 miles, which is more than 14 times further than they had planned, according to NASA. NASA's Lori Gaze said, While we know this day was inevitable, it doesn't make it any easier. It's almost an understatement to say that it has surpassed expectations, end quote. Although Ingenuity does remain in an upright position and can maintain communication with flight controllers, the $85 mission has officially come to an end. Although Ingenuity does remain in an upright position and maintains communication with flight controllers, its $85 million mission has officially come to an end. Ingenuity landed on Mars in 2021 by hitching a ride on NASA's Perseverance rover and then was used as a scout for the rover, demonstrating the feasibility of powered flight in the thin Martian atmosphere. Its most recent images from the final flight revealed damage to one or more rotor blades likely sustained during landing. Those blades are now deemed unusable. So during its last flight, the helicopter ascended 40 feet, hovered briefly, and then descended. However, it lost communication with the nearby rover, its communication relay, when it was just three feet above ground. When communication was eventually restored, they confirmed the damage. The cause of the communication loss is currently under investigation. Now, because of Ingenuity's remarkable success in 2022, NASA decided to incorporate two mini-helicopters in future missions to Mars. Well, certainly a disappointment to see this mission officially come to an end. But as Lori Glaze, who you quoted in the article, Reggie, stated, uh, it it surpassed all expectations. So you've got to be thrilled with the results and, uh, of course, what you learned, and including what you said at the very end there, that they'll continue to utilize mini helicopters on future missions, as it sounds like that can represent a big step forward in our learning curve here. Speaking of Mars, an ancient lake bed on the planet may contain clues as to whether or not life once existed there. That conclusion was drawn in a new study published in Science Advances. Analysis by the Mars Perseverance rover, whom you heard Reggie reference just a moment ago, has verified the Yezero crater was once submerged in water, resulting in lake sediments at its base. If life did once exist on the red planet, evidence could be preserved within the sediments of this crater. Per GNN, the existence of these lake sediments had long been suspected from satellite imagery, but ground-penetrating radar is the first to confirm it. Professor David Page of UCLA was a part of the study and said, quote, from orbit, we can see a bunch of different deposits, but we can't tell for sure if what we're seeing is their original state or if we're seeing the conclusion of a long geological story. To tell how things formed, we need to see below the surface, end quote. 
The car-sized Perseverance has been exploring the 30-mile-wide crater since 2021, and the following year, the rover ascended from the floor of the crater to the Delta, an expansive area covered in sediments that's believed to have originated 3 billion years ago. When observed from orbit, this delta closely resembles the river deltas seen on Earth. So yes, not only are we talking about a historic lake bed here, probably prehistoric lake bed here, but also an ancient river that would have been flowing into it. As the rover drove into the delta, it's RIMFAX, that's short for Radar Imager for Mars Subsurface Experiment Instrument, easily rolls off the tongue. It fired radar waves downward at 10 centimeter intervals and measured pulses reflected from depths of about 65 feet below the surface. With the radar, scientists can see to the base of the sediments to reveal the top surface of the buried crater floor. Years of testing and research with RIMFAX on Earth taught scientists how to read the structure and composition of subsurface layers from their radar reflections. Thus, scientists were able to detect two distinct periods of sediment deposits sandwiched between two periods of erosion. The second period of deposition occurred when fluctuations in the lake level allowed the river to deposit a broad delta that once extended far out into the lake, but has since eroded back closer to the river's mouth. The radar images showed that the sediments are regular and horizontal, just like sediments deposited in lakes on Earth. Per page, quote, the changes we see preserved in the rock record are driven by large-scale changes in the Martian environment. It's cool what we can see, so much evidence of change in such a small geographic area, which which allows us to extend our findings to the scale of the entire crater, end quote. Perseverance's soil and rock samples will be brought back to Earth by a future expedition and studied for evidence of past life. So, Reggie, we will stand by and anxiously await that future mission to see what is, well, I can't say unearthed. How about unmarsed? Haha. Um... <laughs> Not a joke. I guess. I guess. Correct. Correct usage of the language, I think. Correct. Probably. Yeah, we'll go with that. I am excited to see what they get back on this because if there's any chance, whether it be just a microbiotic life or what it is, it's interesting to see if there is going to be life on other planets. Although I do know when they originally found evidence of water on Mars, they determined that it was too acidic for life to exist. So we'll have mm. to see where this stands. Um, but with it being underground, you know, that might be helping out with that. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, even even a single cell organism, if that were to be discovered, would be uh, would be quite fascinating. As you said, time will tell. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Taking a look at this date in history, on January 29th, 1929, Dorothy Harrison Eustis founded the Seeing Eye. It was to train dogs to assist the blind. It was the first school set up to do so in the U.S. Within its first year, it allowed 17 blind individuals to gain independence with the help of Seeing Eye Dogs, which, by the way, is a trademark name. The school was founded in Nashville, but has since been relocated to Morristown, New Jersey. Last year, the organization was proud to announce that they have reached 17,000 pairings. One of the more fascinating parts of the story, besides the fact that, you know, you train dogs to help blind people get around, is the fact that the cost for one of the C&I dogs has remained unchanged since the 1930s. I don't think you can say that about anything else. 
Tuition for the CNI is only $150 and just $1 for veterans of the military, which covers the dog, its equipment, room and board, and the training needed to cover the care and use of the dog. Now, there are some reports that say dogs assisting blind humans may have happened since basically almost pre-recorded history. In fact, a couple examples of that. Uh, one of the first examples is first century AD. There's a mural of a dog leading a person with blindness in a Roman town near Pompeii. Or another example, 12th century scrolls have been found in China that show a dog leading a man with blindness by 16th century. It's common in art and literature for them to discuss, I guess, uh, dogs leading people with blindness as well. The earliest reported example of this, though, occurred in 1780 at a Paris hospital. And before Dorothy Harrison Eustace founded the CNI in 1929, a German doctor, Dr. Gerhard Stalling, after World War I, helped many soldiers who were blind by training dogs to guide them around. In 1916, he and the German Red Cross Ambulance Dogs Association opened the first CNI school in Europe. It was the first recorded attempt of trying to organize and train multiple guide dogs, according to uh, the, the standard that we now go by. Well, I have just two things to say. One, this reiterates why dogs are the best, certainly. And uh, the fact that they can do something like this for humans is uh, absolutely amazing. Two, I never realized that the term seeing eye dog... I guess I just never stopped to think about the origin of that term. It felt like something that was applied because, well, that's kind of what the dog does. It becomes the seeing eye for the uh, human in that case. And to learn a little bit more and find out that it's really from a school that Dorothy Harrison Eustace founded, the more you know, I guess. Shoot the star across the screen, as the old graphic would do. A mid-size large dog probably is one of the best animals for this. You're not going to have a parrot do this, although a parrot could say, don't walk, but you're not going to have a parrot help you around a cat's too small to pull you one way or the other the dog's a perfect size for this and obviously they have the mentality to be trained for it they're they're very loyal creatures when you do it nothing compares to dogs reggie <laughs> no parrot can't do it and no of course a cat can't do it i'm an animal lover of, of all varieties but uh, the dogs top my list Thanks for joining us on another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can always reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. He's Marcus Paff. I'm Reggie Rizou. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.